This is episode two of the Latter-day Saint Geeks podcast. I'm Spencer, and in this episode, TJ and I will discuss our favorite Doctor Who stories from the era of the first Doctor, William Hartnell. Hello, this is Spencer, and welcome to episode two of the Latter-day Saint Geeks podcast. With me today, I've got TJ, one of the original veteran geeks of the blog back when it was Mormon Geeks. TJ, go ahead and say hi. I'm TJ. I was one of the original geeks. I attempted to write, or not write, I attempted to podcast a while back um, and, and wasn't able to continue it, just life in general. So I'm excited to be able to take part in one of these early nights. We had actually attempted to, well, we didn't attempt. We did a podcast episode together back when you were That's on the right. team and I wasn't. <laughs> that is right. How times have changed and switching places and all that fun. But um, you're going to be around a while yet with uh, um, the series that we've got planned. Um, it's a well, shame, yeah, though, that I don't think I... You're trying to copy me. I mean... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> No, this wasn't me copying you. This is something we discussed. I know. I'm just. I meant copying me and watching Doctor Who from the beginning again. Okay. Yes, that part I'll, I'll, I'll admit. Can, but it's okay. I watched Doctor Who first, so I think I'm. Yes, you did. It's that is true. Wibbly wobbly, tiny wimey. Tiny wimey. Which is actually going to be very relevant phrase for us with this series that we've got going on. We're going to be doing. Um, most so for, likely, yes. So for those of you that, if you're listening to this episode, you're probably aware, but I've been doing a series of classic Doctor Who posts since the beginning of the year, um, just re-watching the classic era. Um, I copied TJ when he started over, and uh, so far, um, I'm currently... As of August of this year, I'm currently on the evil of the Daleks in the Second Doctor era. TG, where are you at at this point? I am on the Web of Fear. I watched the first episode a while ago, and now I've got to watch it again and start it over because I vaguely forgot what happened. I, I, <laughs> well, I think I remember, but I hate when I like start a, ser- a series or a story like that and then I go to episode two and I think, I feel like I'm missing something. You know, when characters are not recurring and everything, mm-hmm. it's harder to know who is who. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll come to that um, part of the conversation as well when it comes to some of the audio that I've got to listen to. Basically, what I'm trying to say is none of this actually aligns with real time. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be exciting. But it's all Doctor Who and that's what makes it awesome. Yeah, it's uh, timeless and timey-wimey all at the same time. Yes, it is. <laughs> so, and that's how you get a sci-fi series that's lasted 60 years. Even when it was off the air, it was growing. Yeah, I remember I have a cousin who I haven't met very many times, but one of, we were at our grandparents' funeral. And he was telling me about Doctor Who and how awesome it was. And he'd been watching it. He's a couple years younger than me, too. If I remember. Well, he's younger than me. I know that much. 
And so I remember him talking about Doctor Who and one of the first times I ever spoke to anyone who was a fan of it that uh, I can recall. I mean, I'd heard of Doctor Who, but never had watched it or really had any other. Uh, it be it was just this far off thing back then, but he was watching reruns on uh, some random channel in his neighborhood. PBS so it is, had it at one point. I'm pretty sure that's what it would have been. And he recorded them all and he wrote... Um, he wrote fan fiction for it, if I remember right. And I used to think, man, what a geek. And here I am. I love Doctor Who. So if you listen to episode one, you, you'll have heard me, Michael, and Rob um, starting off the episode with some recommendations of things that we've been watching recently. Um, so we're going to try to do that as well, kind of keep make that a tradition for every episode. Um so for me, I've been re-watching Daredevil, which I haven't done since it was put on Disney+. Plus. This is my first time through, um, with Echo being released later this year, and Daredevil appearing and then getting his own series later. Uh, Charlie Cox said at Dallas Fan Expo that he views, I'm paraphrasing, but he views the two iterations of Daredevil as separate, but it's all still Marvel, so... This is how I. This is how my brain works. This is I'm gonna rewatch it. It's fine. It's good. You rewatch things plenty. Of I rewatch times. a I lot of things. Too. And, and no, the nice yeah. thing I'm gonna do is that in October, I think is when I have it. I've planned for it. I'm gonna be doing a blog post of the things you missed in Daredevil or what you need to know about Daredevil, since it is TVMA, and I know not all of our readers and listeners will want to watch that. Because there haven't been any sex scenes in what I've watched so far, but I know it's coming up. And but it's definitely been gory. So Yeah, gore it really bothers me. I don't know. Makes me feel bad for whatever, depending on how bad the gore is. It's one of the yeah. reasons why I haven't watched Daredevil. Well, and in one, one in one episode, and I don't think this is a spoiler because it's been out almost ten years. But in one episode... Spoiler, I haven't seen it. I don't care. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, I know. Wilson Fisk, the kingpin, like bashes a guy's head in with a car door. It's a little bit gory. And that's a lovely image. So let's move on to something maybe happier. What have you been watching, TJ? Uh, I... I've just had my brother here for the last couple of weeks uh, helping out, and we introduced him to Leverage. Oh, you um, love Leverage. I love Leverage. I can't not lever it, love Leverage. And if you, you can't leverage your fan, love for Leverage, I can't leverage my love for Leverage. That is absolutely I'm correct. not even sure if I use that correctly. As I don't think I have. I don't think that's properly used. I'm going to be honest. I don't care at this point. I'm leveraging my love of leverage. There you go. I'm leveraging my position here in this podcast to tell you how awesome leverage is again. I mean, you did a blog post, a guest post for the blog two years ago, and you're still talking about it. So I'm not done talking about it either. I would highly recommend it for any Doctor Who fan because there are a lot of fan service moments for Doctor Who fans. (laughs) Which is why I keep convinced, trying to convince you to watch it. It'll probably happen eventually. I'm 
just got a lot of shows on my list right now. It's fine. No, and sometimes it's nice e- to... Everything <clears throat> is fine. Everything is fine and on fire. And er- sometimes it's nice to... When you know something, it's comforting to watch when you know what's going to happen. You know, yeah. River is going to die, and it's comforting to rewatch the library. I don't know. Yeah, it's a weird concept, but... It is. But... Anyways. So, transitioning to Doctor Who... Or, yes, that was that was a great transition for Doctor Who. So, Doctor Who, our first Doctor stories. So, William Hartnell uh, was the first Doctor. He premiered as the Doctor in 1963. Not the fez-wearing or screwdriver-wielding hero that we know now, but a grumpy old grandpa literally and we're not going to delve into his character too much right now that's going to be our third uh episode in this series um so for today we both picked out five of our favorite stories from the first doctor era um four of them overlapped with each other so we ended up with six episodes and we legitimately did not plan that like i was expecting we didn't watch them at the same time i have a a uh, an excel spreadsheet that i keep where i rank things and i move it around and i think about it and move it around some more because i realized no i don't like this aspect and so mine changed up until we gave each other our lists so only one even as we were texting each other today you were I was I was hedging on or hemming and hawing on two of them, but I kind of felt like uh, I felt like I was doing myself an injustice and trying to be uh, a people pleaser by saying, "Oh, let me question this a little bit more." I'm going with how I emotionally felt watching the episode and if I appreciated it and liked it. That is my. That's, That's my do it. way to rate it and rank it. So we're going to talk about all six stories that uh, appeared on our two lists. Um, no particular order, except that it's the... Well, it is order. It's just not rating order. It's... Yes, it's not... In, it's not it's to... airing order. Yeah. We got to be careful not to say chronological order because no, who knows that. when... The Romans takes place in the double digits, and the Ark takes place thousands of years in the future. After with like a couple hundred or whatever gap in it, then and the toy maker takes place out of time completely. It seems so. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then try to place the chase, literally chasing across time. We'll get to all these, don't you worry. I mean, it's a good thing that we don't have like. Uh, Dalek invasion of Earth, and can you imagine writing that? It's worse than River Song's timeline. Let's just go with that. Or Dalek's master plan. Yeah, Dalek's master plan. It's all messy. Wibbly that wobbly. One, that, one's, that one's messy. So, well, let's start with the Keys of Marinus. It was on your list, um, but it actually was on one of my top episodes for when my first watch through. And I can include my first Doctor blog post that I had done back in the day that 
why don't you start since you're the one who put it on your list this time? Okay, not a problem. Um, short summary. I, and all, and what? Short summary, and then your thoughts on the short summary. On the story. Okay, the key the keys of Marinus is when they go to is Marinus even the name of the planet? No, that's a person, isn't it? I believe I don't so. Remember now. Anyway, it here's the thing: is if you know Doctor Who well enough. And you know when the fourth doctor goes and tries to put grab all the pieces with the first Romana throughout the whole season. The key to time, I think it's the called. The key to time, I think it's called, yes. When you look at the Romana and you have that key to time um, storyline, which is one of my favorite storylines in Doctor Who history. The Keys of Marinus is like a mini version of it. Mm-hmm. It's only six episodes of... But in each one, it feels like you are in, while they're on this planet, each one is in a different location, which is something that I really appreciate about this story also, because I hate when planets are like, oh, this is, you know, in Star Wars, you have Hoth, which is a giant ice planet, and the Ewoks live on a planet that's one big giant forest. It's There's an ecological difference in the various places that they go to throughout mm-hmm. the storyline. And they get there uh, all by jumping through, um, I forget what they called them, but they're basically Captain Jack's. Uh, um, yeah, there's some sort of like portal, but not a portal. It's just Captain Jack's, I can't say watch. Vortex Manipulator. Thank you, Vortex Manipulator. Basically, it's like an early usage of that. Like, I feel like one of the things that was nice, I kind of commented earlier how rewatching something is comforting and with this doctor who serial story whatever you want to call it as it was comforting in the fact that it was familiar enough because in future doctor who stories you can see where something like the vortex manipulator um could have been in, uh, inspired from this the same with the key to time storyline they're just they're going through the planet and trying to find all these different key pieces and was put it, it together I want to say it was four. Okay, that sounds right. Six episodes, an intro, a conclusion, an intro and four and keys. Conclusion and four keys. It sounds right. It also has a nice little love story with a uncomfortable happily ever after because the girl and I. I really should write some things down for these, but um, yeah, you've got this nice little love story that her dad unfortunately was killed if i remember right or whoever was taking care of her yeah i really like in this story you've got this these different pieces that they're trying to find this this planet full of a rich history you have a love story in it uh you got some decent danger of course and as always in doctor who fashion ian is on trial for something i I don't know why it feels like that just is a constant thing that ian's life is very much threatened um, yeah, it's, and always, I remember, it's always right, something. It, it's always something. And it didn't seem like it was Susan who was it. Susan felt like a constant damsel in distress. And this one, she doesn't quite have that. That's kind of um, nice. It is one of the earliest episodes. It's in the first season. It was when I watched Doctor Who, started watching Doctor Who, trying to see what I could watch, different stories, pick them up on whatever it is that I was watching, take recommendations from you. Spencer, of course. Um, this is not one that I had a chance to watch. 
you know, the Aztecs were something that I had seen and mm-hmm. um, an earthly child. Daleks, as much as they are everybody's favorite weird villain, they're not mine. They just aren't. And I really... Especially back in the day. You know, my, my mother-in-law is uh, was born and raised in Ireland and cannot stand the Daleks. That is one of the scariest things to her. And I can understand in the 60s, it would be, I'm sure. Nowadays, I, I would not want to see a Dalek. That's I'm going to be honest. If a real Dalek existed, I would not want to be anywhere near it. So I feel like it is a, it just, it has so much to it that makes it, it, it really made it feel like Doctor Who was inspired almost by the Keys of Marinus in so many different ways, the way that the characters are and the way that things happen. Um, the other side characters who are only in this story and how important they are to the Doctor. And I think that's one of the big ones that also I take from this is that these side characters, um, it feels like the Doctor really does care about them too he doesn't just go to these planets and uh, or history and start um causing a ruckus because it is the doctor um well back in season one he was like the grumpy old grandpa like we said and he honestly in my opinion he there were a few times if i recall that they arrived somewhere and he's like nope let's turn around oh wait where's susan oh we can't leave yet So he would he wasn't the David Tennant that was running into danger. He was very much trying to just, you know, keep his head down. Well, and I mean, you and I are both parents. You see a loved one in danger and that is not okay. You don't want to put your child, grandchild in danger in that aspect. And again, I think Keys of Marinus is just it's one of the it feels like the first time because it's only the fifth story. Um where the doctor feels like he is trying to he, he does still have his grumpy old man mm-hmm. piece to it but he still when he realizes what he's doing and what they're needing to do he just feels a little different and a little more caring of a person and not grumpy old grandpa like he is oh agreed beginning. so especially when ian's on trial if i recall he he jumps mm-hmm. in and really helps and I mean, it is about the doctor with that. Like, that's what makes it also nice. Yeah, Susan does get kidnapped, of course, because it's, I guess it's sadly Susan. her job, I think. Um, but it's near the end, if I remember right. It's not really early on. It just is kind of later on. And um, and I really do like that this story just has so many aspects, all the different locations. You've got ice versus woodsy versus city type locations you've got a doctor who cares about the local inhabitants um, as much as his granddaughter because frankly he doesn't care about Ian and Barbara until they decide to leave I think Pretty um, much. and and that just that's just kind of where why, one of the reasons why I keep this kept this one at the top again the familiarity of the different pieces being put together in the story so well, and I made note on my original post about this that, you know, I had gotten the DVDs from Netflix, which I don't even know if Netflix still does DVDs at this point. Don't either. <laughs> but um, yes, kids, uh, Netflix used to come in the mail. Um, but by the time I got the that DVD, I was already in the second and third Doctor eras on Hulu. 
So it was a change of pace having like six ep- episode story arcs and right. to basically having six one part stories. Yes, that was the other thing is it it does have an overall that you know they're going toward, but it really does feel like each episode is a little more contained. Again, back to the key to time concept that they they use this. I think I'm sure there has. Oh, to I'm be sure there's too many similarities. It. Yep. Okay, we can move on from Keys of Marinus, but <laughs> that's one of mine. Um, now we can go on to ours because I think the rest of them are ours until we get to the last one. So the second one we on the list was the Romans. Um, I did a blog post about this one earlier this year. Um, it's partially, mostly lost, if I recall. Um, no, Roman. No, is... no. Okay, Roman is not is there. This is not one of the ones that I, that I listened to the audio of then. Um, but the general premise is that the Doctor Ian, Barbara, and Vicky um, just get stranded well they don't get stranded they land in roman times um and basically decide to take a vacation which i made note how many times does the doctor end up taking a vacation and it just doesn't work out um you know, the, if, if the, the doctor, doctor takes a vacation to- oh, i'm sorry i was just gonna say if the doctor takes a vacation and doesn't work out then we're going to watch it. If it does work out, then it's a story we don't care about. Well, and this is a a, a TARDIS vacation that wasn't planned, as opposed to the fourth Doctor going to the Leisure Hive, the tenth Doctor going to Midnight, the thirteenth Doctor going to Praxius. They were all more or less planned, but the first Doctor yep. just happened to land in... Um, just happened to land in Roman times and well, things went crazy because he's the doctor. Well, I mean, and if I remember correctly, the TARDIS falls off a cliff or something and they've got to well, figure that out how to the, get it. That was the weird part is like at the end of the rescue where they meet Vicky, it our cliffhanger is that the TARDIS is literally falling off a cliff. Um, but in the next episode, for the first episode of the romans it just picks up like nothing nothing like they just picked it up in this roman villa instead mm-hmm. of dealing with the tardis falling or anything right nope it's been a uh i mean if i remember they've been in there for like a week or a, mu- a month i think i think a month the, sounds right in in rome in this random like unoccupied roman villa grabbing food or whatever i mean just i think is um, I, I think it's one of the coolest episodes because of. I I think it's to me it's one of the cool ones. It's Vicky's first adventure, right? That we, well, that we see, but of course I'm sure that it kind of really is at least to them, since it's a continuing story. It's really yeah. Vicky's first adventure. She hasn't. They just rescued her in the previous episode before the story starts and then she just takes a vacation like this poor girl has been on this planet terrorized by somebody her father's best friend or something her father's best friend aka her father's murderer and now she's with this old grandpa dude which 
I mean, that you definitely get the feeling of the Vicky doctor, grandpa, granddaughter. Well, and feel. he had just left Susan in the 22nd century, so he was, yep. he had, uh, he was still a grandpa, but with no grandchild to dote on, and. Yep, and he, and if I remember, he, uh, he accidentally calls her Susan every once in a while, forgetting, yeah. and I don't remember if that's this or if that's in the later one. But oh, I, thought I think it it's a few different story. ones. Yeah. And so, and, and part of that, I think, was also William Hartnell. Uh, and listening to the audio book version of these, um, which is just really a recording of the episode, the audio recording um, of the of the episodes, and then added in, um, like I think William Russell and and a few others, they lend their voice as the uh, narrator for the episodes. So. And if I recall correctly from what you told me about the narration is it's more like they're explaining the stage directions. Yeah, basically, like, um, I, I think that it's a lot in the earlier episodes. Now, of course, this reason we're not watching or we're watching, not we don't have to listen to it. But in this episode, it is or in this time frame, it seemed to be a little more stage direction as they went on. They got a little more. Mm -hmm. A little more detailed, but not too much. It's basically just to help segue between scenes. And I and I feel like this is um, again back to this romance thing. Is to me this is like the first history based story that really works for me. Because up to this point, we have an unearthly child, which is okay, but I'm not a big fan of the Neanderthals. Neanderthals, Marco Polo, which I thought was one of the most boring stories. At last it's a lot of walking. Yep. How many episodes long was it? It was seven. It was oh one longer gosh, than it most. Took forever. It did. And you have the Aztecs, which I felt like it was an interesting way of showing differences between our culture and somebody else's in history, but it wasn't all that exciting. You then have the Reign of Terror when... Barbara and Susan are both kidnapped um, by the French Revolution. And uh, and then the Romans is kind of really the first one of the second season that is um, is a history-telling story. And I, to me, this is the first time it really works. Well, and I remember thinking, um, thinking during the Highlanders when Jamie's introduced in the Second Doctor era that, like, this is the kind of when they wanted Doctor Who to be an educational show, this this is the kind of episode they had been thinking of. There's no alien. There's no monster. Yep. It's just human beings, which that's monster enough in many cases. Mm -hmm. um, and it's the kind that's like, oh, I don't know a lot about this subject. Maybe I'd like to learn more. So, and I mean, Roman history is one that where it is taught. And there are pieces that are, of course, um, yeah. up to the author here or the, the screenwriters at the time, um, that they just sort of like, well, this is how we're going to tell this. But a lot of the characteristics that they make are things that I remember learning about in history, about mm -hmm. the, the Romans and, and who they were. Um, and, of course, the Doctors, again, spoiler for a show that is older than you and I probably combined. Uh, no, not combined anymore. Um, <laughs> older than you and I. Yeah, the show's almost like 60 years old, let's put it that way. Yeah, but combined, you and I make 70 or more. So, um, 
show is 60 years old and this episode is like 58 59 yeah um but the doctor accidentally sets fire um which is one of the many times that he just causes history to happen yeah so it's it's one of those things blog posts on that one as well it's one of those things where it's like this is a fixed time in history and he caused the great fire just like he triggered the destruction of pompeii which by the way the fires of Pompeii with David Tennant uh, references back to this story. So, if you've seen, does it really? Doctor, I didn't remember he, that. There's a offhanded remark with to Donna, and we both love David Tennant and Donna Noble. So, mm-hmm. um, I'll have to look for that a, next time I watch it. Yeah, there's an offhanded reference that um, he makes to the fire in Rome, and he's like, "Not my fault." And he and knows that, it is, of course. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, right now I'm looking at a picture of Nero with a fire already to light the place up, so. Yep, definitely works. Um, Agreed. I think that this is one of those stories where it's just, it's it's history without feeling like you're teaching us, they're teaching us Mm -hmm. history. Uh, It's a fun, fun, more fun view of history. And I... And put in my blog post about this one that, you know, there it was also just kind of comical and whimsical at times. Like the Ian and Barbara are separated from Vicky and the Doctor, and I swear you put some Scooby Doo music on, mm-hmm. and it it's wouldn't have seemed out of place because they never realized that they were, you know. I mean, they they the did house. not know they were both in the same house because both of them assumed the other pair, both pairs assumed the other pair. Was still at the veil. somewhere else well and i i made note that they didn't realize yeah they didn't realize that the other pair was there until the web planet so that's an episode a story or two later when you know vicky asks barbara where she got this trinket, trinket and yeah. it's like oh i got it from nero's palace wait what we were there what what so yeah and i i think that's this is one of the more comical, lighter stories. And and maybe that was a necessity from Doctor Who era at the time, especially after Susan's departure, which was probably really sad. It's the first time any of the um, well, any the member of the TARDIS around him leaving her there because she didn't leave. He left no, her behind. Yeah. yeah, not as kind. Again, but he also wanted her to grow, and he knew that's what, how it was going to happen, by leaving her there. Um, but with the Dalek invasion of Earth having just happened, and then a two-part episode for the rescue, which was kind of a quick story, but it didn't need any more, in my opinion. It was no, a great way was, to just introduce Vicky. It was a great it's, story in its own right. So if we're recommending like one really good first Doctor story for someone, I'd say the Romans is a pretty safe, safe go. I'd, I'd agree. I think the Romans is it's a it's a first story to give you a feel of what original old school classic Doctor Who uh, mm-hmm. really was, because it was meant to be somewhat educational, not just there's monsters an alien and mayhem somewhere. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. Monsters and mayhem. So, but. We've rambled on that one enough, so let's move on to The Chase. Another one that was on both of our lists. Yep. 
Um, it's another Dalek episode, so you know I'm, I don't know how much you love the Daleks. Well, this time I'm okay with the Daleks on this one because it's it's not the whole thing is the Dalek trap in its own way, but it's like they're being chased by the Daleks, and so this one doesn't bother me as much. I liked the original Dalek um, episode for what it was. I really it felt could have like been shorter. It could have been a. It could have been at least one shorter. I don't. I feel like six is where the limit is. Yeah, for me. Um, that's where I'm going to struggle with the the second Doctor. Is his final story is like eleven episodes long. Uh, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly. Struggle. I, I think I, I may have watched that one on a grave shift when I first watched it, and I'm not sure it's going to go any better this time. And, and it's one of the highest rated, so I'm kind of curious to see how well I I like it myself. But I do feel like this with the chase, it is not uh, from a from a historical standpoint. And when I say historical, I mean like our normal timeline, our lives, real world thing. You know, this is an episode. This is a story where William Russell and Jacqueline Hill are both go to the producer and say, "I'm done." Individually, they both were done, and. And I really think that they made the right move with that one. I think that was the right call because neither one of their characters seemed to be growing anymore. And so, but given how Doctor Who did things back then and listening to some of the extras that were with the um, audio recording on some of these things, um, it's a story where it they didn't know that they were going to be done. And so then they have to figure out how do we, how do we change this so that it ends with not just the Doctor and Vicky, right? Well, um, it, it, it's, it's one of those things that, like, you know, Doctor Who has had to evolve and adapt mm-hmm. over 60 years, you know, first with uh, companions rotating when Susan left and Vicky came on, and yep. Susan uh, and Barbara and Ian left, and then Stephen came on. Just but then Stephen, only yeah. a couple of years later, the Doctor, William Hartnell, was sick so they had to do something and they took a gamble and because of that gamble regenerating him into the second doctor as we know him now it's made it so that this series could last so long you know it's i mean star trek's been going on almost just as long but it's different series within the franchise different characters almost every time but doctor who it's the same character different face for 60 years Yep. And, and I mean, it, it has some changes to its own history within its series. Um, oh, of course. Depending on who you are, is whether or not it's okay. And I'm not not judging one way or the other. You talk about the timeless child? That's part of it. <laughs> but the timeless child is not the first time that William Hartnell was not technically not the first doctor. Um, either way, with the chase, this is one of those moments where you've got Again, Susan left earlier um, after the Dalek invasion of Earth, and then now Barbara and Ian are leaving um, to where you get after this. Besides the first Doctor, the whole crew looks different. You've got a smaller yeah. crew that you're about to get after this, and you don't even know that Stephen is going to join um, the TARDIS at this point. I say crew, it's not like one pilot who does everything is what the TARDIS is run by. Um, 
but it just it didn't it didn't feel like a finale episode until it got uh, for Barbara and Ian that I mean a final episode mm-hmm. for them until it gets closer to the end of it and after Steven's even after Steven's introduction it didn't quite feel like it um and we wouldn't see Ian again until the most recent story with uh, the power power of the doctor when he appeared as an old man at uh, Graham's companion support group. <laughs> and, which is even more awesome. Amazing. That, that technically, um, I say William Hart, no. William Russell, and they're both William, um, made a world record with that, technically. Oh, yeah. Like, he's playing the re- same character that far apart in time. Um, so it just, it's kind of an even cooler aspect. I mean, yes, he's done audio, but not appearing as Ian Chesterton from, you know, what is that, 1965? 66, maybe, the latest? No, 65. 65. Yeah, you're right. 65, and then appearing again in 2022? Or was it earlier this year, 2023? No, it was last year. Last year, 2022. So, I mean, that's a big gap, and that's a record. To have somebody go away from a show and have, I mean, anybody who's a modern-only fan... I don't think they recognize the significance as much, but they still think that they recognize who he was and know that, oh, he is one of the first companions and like literally the first companion. And so it gives a lot of feels for... Unless you count Susan, but no one seems to. I mean, he was the (laughs) first companion. He's in the first episode, I don't care. Susan's Susan's the first companion. They're all three first companions in my life, so... Yeah, I know. I'm I just being nitpicky. <laughs> yeah. Susan wasn't his companion so much as his grandchild who's just with him. River Song wasn't so much his companion as his wife. That is quite true. <laughs> but that's but a little she more. She is his companion and not his companion. That's a whole different storyline. Yep. Um, I, and I don't know. I think that it was a really well done story. Again, it's similar to that Keys of Marinus concept mm-hmm. where each episode kind of stands on their own. Well, and I'm looking at it right now on the Doctor Who wiki, and it's got like six different places for the main setting, jumping from New York City in 66 to the Mary Celeste in 1872, the Festival of Ghana in 1996, and and then looks like two alien planets. So. Yeah, and and again, I mean, you know, obviously this is 1965 that it was written and, and done, so nothing futuristic had happened by any means. But from the other perspective, is it, it is it brings in another one of those history moments, kind of similar to the Romans, where you've got the um, the Mary Celeste brought in, and that is was a real ship, and it has a very unique history. Um, I mean, I kind of wish they could have expanded on what happened with it from a Doctor Who perspective, but... Oh, um, you can bet the spinoff material probably has at some point. Oh, well, I'm sure it has, but um, I'm, I maintain canon going with just the episodes of what aired, and, and I add in whatever I feel like when I'm <laughs> bored. That sounds yeah. about right. Um, but, I, I mean, I the chase is a really... It's a really good storyline um it, 
it sadly isn't ranked very high um, out of like, so I've looked at IMDb and all the different ratings and I like did an average of the episodes and kind of rated them just to see where my rankings or where my thoughts fell. And so the chase is a little lower. It ends up at 12th um, in IMDb rating, you know, compared to being one of my top five stories here. But I also feel like it was a really good introduction to Steven, Ty- Steven Taylor, who would come in, not Steven Tyler, the lead singer of Aerosmith, Steven Taylor, um, played by Peter P. Peter, uh, yeah, see, I'm going to screw up his name. Introduction of Steven Taylor, who is played by Peter Purves, um, in, in a way that was kind of an, a fun introduction on the doctor could meet a companion anywhere. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of leads into the next one on our list, the Time Meddler, which I believe is the it, it is, is the next, the next episode. And yep. uh, Stephen is has this moment, and I think Ian had the same moment where. And I know Ben did, does later on where it's like, oh, no, we didn't travel in time. You're just, you know, pulling my leg here. Um, and Dodo does that as well. I know that your love of Dodo, but oh, she does Dodo. do that as well in the arc. Mm. So that, hey, you, you've got a Dodo. You, well, you've got two Dodo stories on your list. So you wouldn't get to say too much bad about her. Oh, right I now. do. Oh, that's right. She's just, yeah. We'll get into that in our second episode. When we yeah. talk about companions. Um, yes. But with the time meddler, you get the introduction of the first really non-human looking, human looking non-human um, besides the doctor and, and Susan in, in the monk. Well, and more specifically, another time lord. They weren't yep. called time lords back then, but it was, this is the concept that very possibly inspired the master yeah and the monk has appeared across i know i said that the spin-off material is kind of semi-canon i i said that you can call it canon that's your canon. well <laughs> off off screen we've said it too right 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 you know behind no, the scenes I mean, we've said it i mean so, he is a character that could have been brought back in well, uh, especially as a time lord they give him another regeneration i mean i know he appeared as the nun in some of the spin-off material there's so much they could do with him or susan or romana or this... or the rainy yeah they there's so many anybody besides the master we are kind of done with the master I, i'm kind of done with them i, I mean I'm, I'm, but I'm done with the master like i'm done with the daleks too so. i'd be happy to have more master just mix in some of the others. Yep. Like it doesn't have to be no Daleks, no Master. It's throw in some other ones that we haven't seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, and we've never seen the Time Meddler on screen. I'll make it that way since um, the first Doctor's era. Yeah, because he appeared Thanks. in the Dalek Master Plan for an episode or two, mm-hmm. but that's last appearance on screen was. And and most of that story is lost. Both of us had to listen to it with audio. Yeah. Yep. I listened to that um, as an audio, and 
I mean, it just it was nice that this is a character that could have been brought back more, right? And then and again, the first Time Lord before they knew what a Time Lord was or generation or any of that generation. I mean, legitimately, the monk has places that that the monk could appear. Um, and and you know, the eleventh Doctor was right. Monks are not cool. So. Um, well, that was yeah. one of my proudest moments was when I decided to meme that with uh, his line, monks are not cool, and second frame is the monk going, excuse you, Yep. but I'm just too proud of myself. <laughs> it was clever, I will give you that. I also did uh, one of the same, the same shot of the 11th Doctor and the first Doctor dressed as a monk in that episode. In that same episode, yep. Yep. Oh, but I, I don't think the first doctor knew. Well, I mean, if first doctor is the grumpy old grandpa, then maybe that's why he knew that monks weren't cool. cool. Yep. Um, you've got just you've got another TARDIS. That's the other thing is you've got the first appearance of a second TARDIS, right? If I remember yeah, right, and one that actually one that actually shape shifts into how as it should instead of just looking like a police box. Yep. And the doctor is a pretty big jerk, and he breaks the time meddlers or the monks' um, hardest. But but also the the monk was abusing it, so I don't know how much yeah, you can definitely. actually call him a jerk. I know I was just although he there. did seem to take some some sick pleasure out of it too. That's a yep another um, another issue the, altogether. <laughs> the other thing that I find interesting in this one. No, it's it, it fits on our list, but it's also not just us who are praising this one because the um, so there's a Doctor Who magazine and this was voted second out of all the Doctor first Doctor stories, excuse me, and out of IMDb's um, average rating for an episode, this was rated third. So um, I do think that uh, Peter Butterworth, who plays the monk did an excellent job in that character um mm -hmm. and just it it made it for a fun possibility it's one of those what could have been had something different happened in in the writer's room um and being able to bring in more monk you know uh well, it would, it would... you were saying with the keys of marinus it kind of set the precedent for mm -hmm. things to come you know we got the the master and the Ronnie as a uh, rival time lords later in the later in the third fourth fifth sixth etc doctor eras right um which very possibly wouldn't have happened if not for this you know the just exactly. like the keys to time wouldn't have, might not have existed had it not been for the keys of Marinus yep. I mean, I think it's kind of fun to see the out of place, the monk having found his way into his own place in history, being um, trying to be sneaky. I mean, it's it's 1066, we're in 11th century um, time frame, and and the monk uh, has a gramophone. He's playing a record in the. Mm -hmm. With the with monk chants, um, you know, it's like <laughs> it's kind of a fun little like they discover that, and 
it took me a second to realize, like, when they discovered it, when I'm watching this episode, again, this is one of those ones that is not lost, thankfully. You can watch it on a, if you have the appropriate uh, access, uh, pay for the appropriate access. <laughs> um, I can't even think of what it's called, BritBox, that's what I have, BritBox. Um, if you if you have BritBox, I was sitting there watching it, and they grab a phone, and they go, and they turn it off, and I'm sitting there like, yeah, so I figured it was fake. Oh, wait, that's not supposed to be there, is it? They're not in 20th <laughs> century England. They're in a different, they're in the history, mm-hmm. aren't they? Yeah. Um, so it was kind of, it was kind of a fun, it, it was more fun. It had, it had lighter moments, especially discussions and arguments between the first doctor and, and the monk. And, and it has its more serious tone when it, when it needs to be. Oh, of course. Um, anything else you want to say about that one? I don't think I have anything else about the monk. Other, um, <clears throat> the Time Meddler does finish off the second season of Classic Doctor Who. It is the finale story, which to me, they didn't do a great job with that in, in Doctor Who history um, until later on. But with the Time Meddler, that really felt like a two a true end of a season type storyline mm-hmm. because it was the first introduction of another TARDIS basically. Um, and, and another person who's controlling that TARDIS, somebody who is from um, what we know today as Gallifrey. Um, and now another if only they'd done more with him. It is. It's one of those coulda, shoulda, wouldas, yep. which is good because that's what's leading us to our, segues us really well into our next episode. Is it a potential coulda, woulda, shoulda we have coming up here soon? You talk about the last one? Um, no, not the last one, the next one. The special... Oh, do I have it backwards? So the next one on our list is The Ark. It's Dodo's first story. And like TJ mentioned, I'm not a huge fan of Dodo. She just seems to be... Uh, honestly, I was thinking about this as I was running errands earlier, and she did seem she's a, kind of a, a bit of an Amy Pond, and you know how I feel about Amy Pond. Um, I don't, I don't get it. Anyways, um, so you, but no she just kind of for Karen Gillan, huh? Oh, oh, no, I have love for Karen Gillan, just not for Amy Pond. Um, but Dodo just like stumbles into the TARDIS, as just and. Honestly, her arrival into the TARDIS and her departure both were just underwhelming. Um, and then, right, I don't feel like she had much growth, if you want to use that word, um, throughout her time on the TARDIS. But we can get into that more in the next episode. Yeah, I was going to say we can get into that more on the the companion discussion. But this, to me. Dodo feels like somebody who they didn't know how to write. Mm. Um, like it felt like in the first half, one of the things I think about the arc that is great is you've got these two halves of this, this story, right? You've got this one that is when they arrive on um, the arc. And then you've got this other half, which is 700 years later. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a great aspect to the story. But Dodo seems to adapt out of nowhere in the second one. 
to her surroundings. And it seemed like a very difficult thing for her to do at the very beginning. Yeah, and, I'd agree with that. And, and so, I mean, she just, uh, like you mentioned, um, like Ian, similar with um, Stephen and Ben and a lot of companions, you can't go through time. And and that's just absolutely you know, refusing to take the doctor's claim as truth. Yep, and that is exactly what Dodo does, and she brings her cold into this planet. Um, and, which I think is a really interesting part of the story. You know, she brings her cold, which has been eradicated by this point in the distant future, and a whole civilization almost dies because of uh, the common cold, and. It, it and sets them up for conquest by their. I'm gonna compare them to house elves from Harry Potter because that's basically what they were. Um, the monoids. Yeah, the monoids had were their servants basically, um, and the humans were basically brought to their knees just by the common cold. Crazy to think, but here we are. Um, exactly. I mean, and, and I think that was a great way to tell the story of here is something that is so normal in our everyday lives. I mean, in the 1960s, common cold was still the common cold. I mean, this is before we have so many medicines to help. And, and in all honesty, like what so many people say today, there's still no real cure to a common cold. There are ways to prevent uh, getting a cold and there are ways to stave off symptoms of getting a cold. Um, that's what Dayquil and NyQuil are. So while this civilization has that cure somehow, or they just are in a place where it is not something that a person can catch for whatever reason. Well, they can and catch that, it. Well, I mean, they, they, didn't, <laughs> they couldn't catch it without it being introduced from a third-party source. Okay. They, the, the planet refuses to... Um, there's no common cold on it. No. Nope. And the humans... Um, right, they weren't bringing it with so them. So susceptible. But if I remember right, weren't there monoids who got killed by it too? It wasn't just humans. I, I believe you're right. It was uh, both civilizations, and I think that was part of what in the second half got the monoids in control, is they were upset that, if, I, uh, if I'm right, that the their people their civilization was kind of left by the wayside a little bit, like humans prioritized. Yep. I mean, the, the monoids were not treated well, which I think is a great thing to remind people that it doesn't matter what somebody else looks like, what your life is. Treat other people kindly because it's the way that the humans treated the monoids that um, led to the monoid um, coup and attempt to, or not attempt, succession of taking over the whole planet or whatever it really was, the area they were in. Mm -hmm. When I will continually quote this line from Pokemon, and mm -hmm. I, I did a blog post about it because I've done blog posts about so many things by this point. Um, but in the first Pokemon movie, Mewtwo says, after all is said and done in the movie, I see now that circumstances of that the circumstances of one's birth are irrelevant. It is what you do with the gift of life that determines who you are. Because um, it was 
clone Pokemon versus regular Pokemon. And it's, you know, he learned that we can coexist. And, and I think... And, yeah, go ahead. I would just say differences can be celebrated and utilized and instead of being shamed and hated. Mm -hmm. Both by others and by ourselves. Yeah, I mean, that, that's probably one of the other things is that, you know, it's it's more... I love the reminders that come throughout Doctor Who of, well, this is your fault because of you choosing that you are better than somebody else. That is a constant theme throughout Doctor Who and um, and Leverage <clears throat> um, and other <laughs> other series as well. I'm sure. I just I feel like with this one, um, it it has it in a tone that is soft enough that it's it's still powerful. It's soft enough without being in your face and powerful enough that you can still feel it. Well, and that was one of the things that was unsettling about the Twelfth Doctor's story smile. Because those emoji bots, with the, I mean, they solved the problem and everything, and then the doctor just left them to sort it out for themselves, which was dark because the humans were going to make the same mistakes all over again. But you know, and I mean, you got will. that. You've got that with the um, uh, not a year before, but season before, um, with the um. With the Doctor and Clara and the Zygons. Man, I cannot come up with a name. You know, that same concept where they are, where it's like you have to coexist. Stop mm -hmm. thinking one of you is better. Stop. You have to make a choice. You know, I love that line from him. And it doesn't matter which one's good because maybe there's not one, but you still have to make one. Um, and you got to deal with, with the consequences of it. I feel like I could tie in the infamous moon egg episode, but we can just breeze oh, past that's that. Not. Other than <laughs> I'll stop you so hard you'll regenerate. I, yeah, okay. We, we can we can ignore that one until we get to the Twelfth Doctor era, which yes, will take us a while. Not going to um, be on my top few episodes for that one. Other oh, than Clark's but, lines. Yeah, we can we can discuss that then. Um, so just to point out one more time, the arc is on your list of top five, not on mine. Just want to make sure that's a little yep. clear. It's lower down <laughs> on my list overall. I've got a few in between that we're not going to be talking about, but uh, that's all right. But I kind of liked it a little bit better, and that's all good. I've okay. just got two last thoughts on the arc. One. Go ahead. So one. Um, they talk about escaping the destruction of Earth, which I haven't been able to nail down a date for it. Um, but I always, both times I've watched that, I've thought, huh, that could be like when the Ninth Doctor takes Rose to the space station with uh, Lady Cassandra and everything. That's That could be the same time period that on one hand, the Doctor's here with Rose, and on the other hand, the Doctor's in deep space with the with this colony of humans. <laughs> so well and, and that's that's something in the ninth doctor in that story it is stated that humans haven't lived on Earth in a long time. It's been completely yeah. evacuated and deserted. It's just waiting for the sun to explode. 
but um, I just love the callbacks there that it makes mm-hmm. it relevant. You know, if you only watch new Doctor Who, great, enjoy. But if you watch through classic Doctor Who like we're doing, you get a you get a little extra sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I will maintain that if you don't watch classic Doctor Who and then you go to, um, oh my gosh, second season episode that brings back Sarah Jane. It just doesn't oh, have as power. It's the yeah. The power behind it. Heck, even um, if you haven't watched it, but you understand the significance of it, because mm-hmm. some of it is yep. hard to watch, and that's fine. Yeah, but that episode alone—I mean, that that bringing back oh. the callback—it's so much nicer to bring to know Agreed. to know the context behind something like that. And again, something like this, where Earth has been destroyed, and um. In this, in this idea, I mean, I would probably envision that Earth hasn't necessarily been destroyed. It's just in, uninhabitable, and to them, that would be mm-hmm. the same as destroyed. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and when civilizations leave, you know, history might get a little adjusted in the book. Destroyed versus uninhabitable, not yep. much different. Okay, you ready to move on to our... Yep. Um, so the final story on our list is The Celestial Toymaker. Now, if you're following some of the rumors about the 60th anniversary, this could be pretty significant. Um, There are rumors, at least that I've heard, that Neil Patrick Harris is going to portray the Celestial Toymaker. Um, Which is interesting because... My favorite rumor that I've heard about that 60th. It it would be quite odd for them to do this as much as i want it it would be really odd because none of one episode of i think it's four parts Mm -hmm. um one episode of the four still exists in full the rest of it we just watched and watched uh we just listened to an audio form Mm -hmm. so and And, and that's that's what makes it so weird and at the same time really kind of awesome i'm just waiting for a time traveler to bring the celestial toy maker to the present in their TARDIS so that we can have the celestial toy maker in time for the 60th. Well, and you know, that would be nice if somebody could do that finally and get a lot of these lost episodes on our, on BritBox, you know, for those of us that have that or whatever else you have. But I am, you know, one of these days, maybe I keep wishing for it and hopefully Somewhere somebody has the missing episodes. Yep. Someone I mean, will find it in their grandma's some basement. Yep. Somehow they're in some um, lost sheds and stuff like that that's, that they've found some in. So um, it'll be interesting just to see what... Um, you know, it would be nice to be able to see this complete episode, her complete mm. story. Um when it was just so intriguing in many ways because it's mm-hmm. it again it's it was not the same as keys of marinus because it's still the same place ish mm-hmm. it's out outside of space and time basically but each episode was like its own event you know steven and dodo as much as i just don't like her um the each episode they had a different trial they had to face while the doctor was facing off against the toy maker. And and that's what, you know, learning about the history on this one a little bit more from the production standpoint. Um, William Hartnell was on holiday, as they would say, 
uh, oh, I thought this was part of what I thought this was when he was started getting sick. No, he was he was actually on vacation for um, the second and third episode, and they just recorded him saying some lines, um, yeah. and had like a body double or a hand double, um, just to show you know him playing the uh, the games, and so it, um, you know, it does have to focus on Stephen and Dodo because with it becomes a Doctor Light episode for that reason. Yeah. And this is the one episode I really do like of Dodo. Um, mm-hmm. I guess my, in my top five. Um, and and this is this is the one where I feel like Dodo has some sort of not just growth but proof of intelligence. Oh, yeah. um, like the arc, she kind of did, but this one, she's not. She and Steven are both stuck, and they are not. Neither one is like a damsel in distress concept. They're both trying to figure it out together. Uh, and that is one of the things that I do like about Dodo, um, despite her weird entrance into the TARDIS. And then we have the arc, which was, you know, like I said, it is a good episode. It's just not one of my favorites. Um, with the Celestial Tomemaker, on the other hand, you have her really taking a stand, moving forward, working with Steven, not he needs to help her. Wand, um, all these trials that the Toymaker puts them through, it's a test of their intelligence, which shows just how clever they are. And I think mm-hmm. in Dodo's case, it's, it's, I don't think she's book smart. I honestly don't think she was. No, I don't think she's book smart. But she's clever in ways that Steven, who is very smart, wasn't. So they kind of played on each and other's strings. And that's why they played. They played on off each other really well in this. And I mean, we'll come back to that in the companion discussion um like we said but with this one it just it stands out i mean it's ranked really low probably because you can't watch it <laughs> um that's what my 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 interpretation of that is is that but if you if anybody listening i'm gonna throw another recommendation out there um i i have audible and i listened to all the first doctor stories that are not available uh, to be watched on Audible, um, and it was, it was not, uh, it was a lot better than I would have thought they were going to be. And it was this is one where I didn't have. Oh, I take it back. I didn't watch this one on Audible, but I'd still recommend it. Um, it's still worth listening to. It's one of those that if you if you only worry about what you can watch. Um, and you don't care about the missing stuff at all, and you do try to watch the classic. This is one where it's like, look, I would highly recommend listening to it to get that story because it's still, when it comes down to the canon idea again, you can't take the TV show episodes away from canon, and this is one. Um, and it is one where it is worth listening to so that you get that full feel of mm-hmm. the story. I I cannot stand the clowns. Oh, those and are so not- weird. And you're not supposed to. You have to hate those. Like, they were bizarre, more bizarre than I even envisioned. Um, and it was kind of funny because they reused the same actors, um, which you don't really get to see that in that cleverness behind it in, in later episodes of the same story because they could. They had an, uh, an episode where they were clowns and another episode where they're randomly in a kitchen. Uh, just two completely different people. I mean, but they're all people that the toy maker has captured over mm-hmm. time. So 
in some ways that's perfect. He's just recasting these people into new roles and having them play their own game for him. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. that's what makes him, and that's the thing is the special toy maker. We, we don't have a clarity on whether or not the character Two in this, mark. we don't have a clarity in this, if this character is actually a, um, a time Lord or who he really is. Uh, in the in the Doctor Who world and Doctor Who sense, I mean, is he similar to a um, best we know from what I best we know from what I read is that at least according to the pseudo canon stuff, um, Mm -hmm. he's not a Time Lord. He's right, and it would make more sense that he's not. Yeah, but we still don't know what he is. If he's not a Time Lord, what is he? And that could be well i'm just gonna say it's this story is less than ten dollars on audible if you don't want to use your credits on that um and i recommend doing that if uh before the 60th anniversary comes out well that about wraps up our discussion on doctor who stories for the first doctor um, we'll be back in our next Doctor Who um, episode discussing our favorite companions and the ones we didn't like, Dodo. Um, Wrong. <clears throat> but that's a discussion for another day. So we'll see you next time, guys. Thanks for listening to the Latter-day Saint Geeks podcast. We're members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but we don't represent the church in any official capacity. Remember to subscribe to the podcast. You can see our show notes and blog posts on latterdaysaintgeeks.com, and you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Latter-day Saint Geeks. Music was provided courtesy of David Schradel.